This isn't a discotheque, darling. This is the theater of the stars. Just kind of hanging out on a on a Saturday and uh, a little lonely right now. The house is empty. Um, everybody's gone, and by everybody I mean my wife, who has a life, as opposed to me, who doesn't. And I thought I would sit here and um, kind of read through one of my uh, new scattershot um, articles. Uh, this one's called "Remembering Surge," and it's an essay I've written for the book. And I'm not quite finished with it. There's probably going to be some typos, but I thought I could just maybe go through it. Um, kind of hear how it sounds and uh, let you guys hear it so you guys can maybe get a better idea of like the quality that's going into the Scattershot book. Uh, so like I said, this is called Remembering Surge. There are certain products that have transcended advertising and consumerism. Beyond being mere household names, these products have woven themselves into the fabric of our lives. The most famous example I can think of is Coca-Cola. It is impossible to visit any country and not find the familiar red and white cola can sitting on the store shelf, waiting to delight and refresh. People have a loyalty to Coca-Cola that is so strong, in 1985, when the Coca-Cola company tried to introduce so-called New Coke, there was a massive grassroots campaign to get the company to restore the classic formula. I once saw a TV documentary about soft drinks in the United States, and during the segment that chronicled Coke's New Coke debacle, they showed old news footage of people protesting outside of Coke's corporate headquarters in Atlanta. There was one man who held a sign that read, Our children will never know refreshment. For some reason, that sign and the sentiment behind it has never left me. The idea that someone would take the time to make a sign and go down to Coke's headquarters to protest the formula change of a soft drink is pretty remarkable. But what I find even more remarkable is the fact that the protester was so concerned that his children would be denied something that had been such an integral, if not innocuous, part of his life. <clears throat> it was almost as if he was angry that Coke was denying his children sunshine and puppies, or air and water. How dare the inventors, the producers of a product, change their formula? I was born in 1983, so I was two years old during this soda pop dust-up, and have no memory of the fear of being denied Coca-Cola Classic but I certainly understand what it's like to lose a beloved beverage. The year was 1997, and according to Wikipedia, whom we must rely on for on <laughs> whom we must rely for our information uh, uh, this is called a, this is called a typo kids. Um whom we must rely for our information as the soft drink records from this time were lost due to a tragic mountain dew spill. See, that's that's not good. This is this is why you have to read these things out loud, kids. That's it's too clunky. What I'm trying to say is that we have to rely on Wikipedia because there was this tragic okay. The Coca-Cola company decided to release a European soft drink called Urge into the US market. Of course, the name Urge would no doubt turn off more than a few of us silly Bible thumping wackos. So Coke changed the name by adding an S. Thus, Surge was born. I remember the first time I heard about Surge. I was in junior high, and the school's vending machines were rumored to be stocked with a beverage so caffeinated 
It made the aforementioned Mountain Dew seem like mother's milk. Dude, one of my friends said to me, you gotta try this drink before they pull it from the shelves. It's called Surge. The can was a sickly neon green color with an explosive red and yellow logo emblazed upon it. Surge seemed to scream as it sat there in the humming vending machine. Drink me! Drink me! Drink me! A voice seemed to call out. It kind of sounded like Sammy Hagar. I put my 50 cents in the machine. I still can't believe 50 cents used to buy you a can of soda. And pressed the freshly installed surge button. A few seconds later, I had a soft, mushy white can in my hands. Taped to the top were a pair of quarters. What the hell is this? It was a t-shirt. Tightly packed inside a plastic shell that was can-shaped. I used the new quarters to push the surge button again, and this time I got a can that was deliciously cold. Ignoring my new surge t-shirt, which, no matter how many times you washed it, it was, un- it was an unwearable mess of wrinkles, I popped the top off the can and took my very first sip. I was instantly transported to a sugary, caffeinated nirvana where an emerald elephant lazily bathed itself in a pool of bubbly citrus soda. Its long trunk dipping into the sweet nectar and spraying me as I rode by on an undulating geyser of liquid refreshment. The flavor was sweet orange with a tangy zip of something wonderful. I downed my first can and immediately wished I had another. I didn't know it at the time, but I just picked up both a new habit and a new obsession. Of course, what we children didn't know is that despite the extreme commercials and blazingly stupid tagline, Feed the Rush, Surge actually had less caffeine than the... You can't say what I actually wrote. Surge actually had less caffeine than the notorious similar beverage Mountain Dew. I guess the marketing worked on us because me and all my buddies at school thought that drinking Surge was dangerous and cool. Like the skydiving, bungee-jumping bros from the TV spots, we were feeding the rush and righteously quenching our thirst on a daily basis. I'd been a pretty hardcore soda addict since a startling young age, but my love affair with Surge, well, it was one for the books. My family would buy a 12-pack, and then another, and then another, but they still couldn't keep the stuff stocked in our house. I'd drink it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I was a raging surgeaholic a few months after the product had appeared mysteriously at school. I was even a snob about what kind of surge I drank. Now, obviously, I'd take any surge, but if I had my choice, I wanted one that was cold, damn near freezing, and served in an aluminum can. The plastic two liters, plastic two liters going through puberty, the plastic two liters and 12-ounce bottles didn't taste as good. I couldn't explain it at the time, but now I think it has something to do with the way plastic sort of taints everything it tastes. Taints everything it tastes? It sort of taints the taste of everything. See, this is why you gotta read your shit out loud, kids. Editing. Also, sunlight getting into the cans... No. Also, sunlight getting into the bottles probably affected some of the flavoring as well. See, more editing. Um, where was I? This is all what I like to call the surge... This is... (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) This is all what I like to call surge speculation on my part. I think that line's gotta go. That's pretty lame. There are no samples of surge left for me to test some of my more esoteric theories on, and that is unfortunate. Like all good things, surge was a limited thing. Ugh, things twice in a row. 
Writing lesson 101. Do not use the same word twice in one sentence like that. Also, don't say things. That's a, that's a bad word. It's very vague. Uh, like all good things, Surge was a limited thing. And it was a thing, 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 thing. And by 1999, it was almost impossible to find a can of Surge, though there were still fountains that served the drink. By 2002, websites had popped up allowing Surge enthusiasts to swap withdrawal stories and also share where they'd managed to still find the sweet drink. A few years later, at the dawn of 90s nostalgia, an unopened but still undrinkable six-pack of Surge would cost you $60 American on eBay. I can vividly recall my first brushes with Surge, as well as my short but passionate love affair with the drink. But I can't remember it going away. It seemed like someone turning the volume down slowly on a stereo, unnaturally fading out a song. First the grocery stores didn't have it, then the gas station stopped selling it in cans and bottles. And then the only place to get it was the local bowling alleys. What? And then the only place to get it was the local bowling alleys leaky soda fountain. Again, that's clunky. Um, was I outraged when Coca-Cola discontinued the product? Hardly. Though I was chemically addicted to this stuff, I just moved on to another sugary soda. That's just what you do when you're a kid. I think that if it, that had happened today, I might sign a petition on the internet, or even write a letter to Coke telling them to bring Surge back. In a lot of ways, adults are bigger babies than children are. I mean, it's a soda, right? It wasn't like they they discontinued Surge because it was a top-selling, most-beloved soft drink of all time. Surge just never caught on. So one day they phased it out, replacing it with a revamped version of Mellow Yellow, which, interestingly, also flopped. I've talked to a number of people my age who enjoy a good sugary soda, and all of them look back with fondness on Surge. A few years ago, the Coca-Cola company released a new drink called Vault. This drink was hailed to be an exciting, highly caffeinated, citrus-flavored drink. Sound familiar? The Surge fanboy message boards I lurk in lit up like the 4th of July. Once the first few tasters had chimed in with the news that, indeed, Vault tasted a lot like Surge, why had to try it? I bought a 12-ounce plastic bottle of Vault. Even though I knew it probably would have tasted better in an aluminum can, I couldn't find a single can. Anyway, the results? Well, it's hard to say because it's been so damn long since I drank a Surge. What I can tell you is that Vault is a fairly tasty beverage, though it's a bit too crisp. While it was the closest I'd come to having that delicious Surge taste in over a decade, I regret trying Vault. I actually think a lot of the affection I feel, <clears throat> and the rest of the Surge lovers I've encountered on the web feel, towards Surge, is due to the fact that 1. It's from our childhood, and 2. It's no longer readily available. If the Coca-Cola company brought Surge back onto the market, even if it was just for novelty's sake, I don't think I'd buy it. Why not? Well, I actually have no idea what Surge tasted like. The last time I enjoyed it, I was very young. The flavor has become something of an unattainable Holy Grail-like thing. And even if Coke did bring it back, online people would still whine and say, It was better back in 1998. People, I have learned, are damn near impossible to please. So perhaps it's best that Coke leave us with our memories, endlessly thirsty for more. So last weekend I did something. Um, I changed my name on Facebook from Jason Wendleton to Baba O'Reilly. Um, and the reason why I did that was kind of twofold. One, I like fucking with people. And two, I kind of wanted to see if I could do it. 
Uh, I have a couple friends who have stupid joke names on Facebook, and I was like, how do they do that? So I was like, oh, I'll try to see if I can figure out how to do it. It was really hard, guys. Ooh, so hard, changing your name. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that Facebook allows you to do that, to just kind of make up a clearly bullshit name. Like, there's a guy, so, someone I'm somehow friends with, or some someone in my network is named Freddy Fudgegums. I mean, that's clearly a fucking made-up name, right? Uh, so yeah, Facebook is really liberal with the naming stuff, and I changed my name to Baba O'Reilly. And I did that because, uh, here lately I've been super involved in the Who. Um, I will go through periods of extreme mania, where I will be completely head over heels in love with every single song a band has written. And I will get every single album, every single B-side... Um, every cover, every live track that a band has done, and I will just disappear. And I will disappear for sometimes weeks, months, um, you know, sometimes, like, in the case of, like, the Beatles, it never really goes away, um, it just kind of goes dormant for a while. But right now I'm into the Who, and I downloaded, uh, legally, I don't know, um, the entire Who, uh, discography, and I am just kind of immersing myself in that and even though it's kind of a cliche to like Baba O'Reilly because it's one of the Who's most famous songs um, it, it, it works best as a name on Facebook so I changed my name to face uh, on Facebook to Baba O'Reilly and uh, what's cool about Baba O'Reilly is despite the fact that it is extremely um, popular and very famous most people have no idea that Baba O'Reilly is called Baba O'Reilly. Most people think Baba O'Reilly is called Teenage Wasteland because that's, like, the most memorable part of that song is, you know, don't cry, don't raise your eyes, it's only Teenage Wasteland. And, uh, so I, I've been kind of looking into The Who, and I've been looking into Baba O'Reilly itself, and the name actually is derived from a combination of, um, two names, uh, Mayor Baba and Terry Riley. And uh, those Terry Riley, and those are two um, like philosopher kind of influences on the Who um, at the time. I'm I'm looking right now. This guy, Terrence Mitchell Riley, he's a um, composer associated with the minimalist school of Western classical music. He was born in 1935, and on Wikipedia, he looks like Santa Claus's um, stoner brother, Larry Vaughn, and. Mayor Baba, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, he was um, an Indian mystic and spiritual master um, who declared publicly in 1954 he was the avatar of the age. So apparently he beat James Cameron to the punch on that one in 1954 when he did that. He did die in 1969 at the age of 74, which is a bit of a bummer because, um, you know, there was some good shit. Post, post that date. Anyway, so Baba O'Reilly, I changed my name on Facebook, and uh, to the consternation of many people, I had a couple of, um, I had a couple of messages from people saying, you know, I almost friended you because who the fuck is Baba O'Reilly? Um, what is Baba O'Reilly? Who? Why are you doing this? Why are you in the bushes outside of my house? Please stop checking yourself in at my house. I'm calling the police. Baba O'Reilly. <laughs> um, anyway, 
So I kind of wanted to find out what people thought about that, and so what I did was I phoned um, a lot of people, but only two people picked up, my sister Lindsay, my baby sister, and my mother, um, and I got their thoughts on the whole Baba O'Reilly issue. It's kind of funny. Take a listen. How's it going? Good. What are you doing? I'm getting ready for my drive. Oh, really? Hey, listen. I... Go ahead. No, it's... Go. Oh. I just wanted to see what was going on. Oh, yeah. I have a, um, a jazz performance around the one, and we're just getting ready. Yeah. Hey, I'm reco- I'm recording right I'm recording right now on my podcast. Uh, like right now as we speak, my fucking dogs are barking. But god, damn it. <laughs> they picked the worst fucking time. <laughs> Sorry, I had to I had to shut the door. Um, I just wanted to I wanted to find out if you had any thoughts on me changing my name on Facebook to Baba O'Reilly. Well, I really didn't get it, and it really stumped me and Mama. Do you know what Bob O'Reilly is? No. Okay. What do you think Bob O'Reilly is? I don't know. If you had to take a guess. Um, a character from something. <laughs> yeah? Is that what you, like from a, a, a book maybe, or a comic book, or a, a movie? Book. You think it's a comic book character? <laughs> Do you, think, yeah. do you think Bob O'Reilly has like a giant hammer, like Thor, or what do you what do you think? I don't his, know. What do you think Bob O'Reilly's powers would be? I do not know. Well, take a guess. I don't know. You think his ability is just to like confuse people utterly? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. What about mom? What did she say? Do you want to talk to her? Yeah, sure. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. How's it going with you? Uh, fine. I just so you know, you are being recorded right now. Oh, okay. This is going to be on the podcast. I just wanted to know what your thoughts were on me changing my name on Facebook to Baba O'Reilly. Well, I was trying to figure out why you would do that. Okay. But then I realized it's you, and so you do crazy things. So. I just figured it wasn't just another one of those crazy things you do. <laughs> do you know who Bob O'Reilly is? I do not. If you had to take a guess, Le- uh, Lindsay thinks that uh, Bob O'Reilly is a comic book character. Bob O'Reilly. <sighs> Bob O'Reilly. She thinks it's a comic book character? That was her theory. I wouldn't guess that. What would you, um, what would you guess? Hmm... I don't have a clue. Maybe a character in a book that you're writing or something. <laughs> really? Maybe it's a maybe it's a pen name. I don't know. Maybe you're trying to come up with a pen name. You think How's it's a, you think it's a gnome de plume? Yeah, there you go. That's what it is. Yeah. What would you say if I told you that it was a song title? A song title? 
I would never have guessed that. Well, Is it really? What? Well, yeah, it's it's actually the name of a Who song. Uh, it's it's. The oh s- no! I see you talking about that Who up there. Whoa, 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 whoa! No. Whoa, whoa, whoa! On it, your Facebook page. Yeah, it gets it gets even worse than that. Baba O'Reilly is the name of the song most people think is called Teenage Wasteland. Are you kidding me? That that song is not called Teenage Wasteland. It's called Baba O'Reilly. Oh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I never ever would have guessed that. It's it's like uh it's the it's two it's two names of two different philosophers. There's like this Baba, he's like some kind of Indian philosopher, and then there's like an O'Reilly who's like a western philosopher. And they just combine, yeah. yeah. They just combine the two. That's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I've got. You s- need to put that. You need to put that on your Facebook page and explain that. Well, I, that's I, really very interesting. Yeah, I, actually, I've um, I've already explained it. It's on my wall. Uh, Amanda asked me. <laughs> my my. Our, yeah, my, I saw my, that she was asking too. <laughs> yeah, my cousin Amanda. She asked me about it, so. Yeah, but I was just curious as to what your thoughts were on it, because Leah's kind of pissed that she's married to Bob O'Reilly now. Oh, she is. Well, I mean, you know, she's she's not super pissed, but it's just, it's weird for her, I think. Yeah, that is kind of (laughs) weird. All right, well, that's it. I just wanted to find out what your thoughts were on that. (laughs) Okay, well, I think it's cool. All right, well, I guess have a good Saturday. Okay, well, you too. Yeah, we're just getting ready to go to a, um, a contest, so anyway. All right, well, we'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Love you. I love you too. Bye. And there you go. Mike is going to be coming over, and we're going to do a show. Um, supposedly, it's going to be our last podcast, but of course, we all know how that works. Uh, I think we're just kind of kidding ourselves. The podcast is probably going to be back, at least for a little while, until we get bored or fed up. Uh, the price of gas is insane. I 
uh, I spent $58 filling my car up this morning, and Mike lives very far away, so it's probably not going to be as regular as it was. Um, I may supplement the Scattershot regular podcast with Mike and I with some of these shorter, just Jason-centric shows to try to get some interesting stuff going on. And, you know, if, if something cool comes along or if I think of something zany to do, I will record it and share it with you, even though I don't feel like very many of you care. Uh, for some reason, I'm in a weird place now where I just don't give a shit if anyone is actually fucking listening I think that's a healthy way to, to, to approach this kind of work um, or this kind of medium, you know, just just do it for yourself. It's why I write. I write just for myself. So I'm going to podcast just for myself. Damn the torpedoes. So anyway, next weekend, Mike will be here and we'll be discussing something we haven't decided yet. <laughs> but it will not be a shambling train wreck like the last show we did. That was like a getting our groove back kind of show. So I promise next weekend's show with Mike is going to be one of the best we've ever done because we're going to actually prepare. We're going to have notes. We're not just going to we're not just going to record for four hours and let it get deleted at midnight. Um, we're going to do just a decent forty-five minute show. So stick, stay tuned for that, and uh, I guess have a good week. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah.